Hey friends, happy Halloween, and what better way to celebrate Halloween than looking at some spooky true crime murders, but because this was a This Was a Thing podcast bonus episode, we're going to give you some obscure Hollywood crime. Happy Halloween, Ray. Happy Halloween, Rob. Now remember, friends, the only way you can listen to this spooky episode is by becoming a Patreon member that's giving us $5 a month or more. We'll take gladly take more. And you can hear such spooky content. This week, we are talking about the unsolved Hollywood murders of actress Barbara Colby. Bob, smile for the camera crane. It'll make more sense when you listen to the episode. Albert, why are there heroin needles sticking out of his arms? Decker. Billy London, the porn star who went murdered in 1989. And, of course, the one, the only musical theater superstar, George Rose. And you might want to take a shower after listening to this week's episode. So head on over, $5 a month, and you can get access to our true crime Patreon episode. Happy Halloween. Boo. This week on This Was a Thing, we're throwing a party for Halloween. Woo! Who's invited, you ask? The mom from the Brady Bunch, the Wicked Witch of the West, Witchy Poo, Pinky Tuscadero, Dorf, Kiss, yes, that Kiss, Donnie and Marie, and Betty White. Well, who in the heck is going to host a spooky soiree like this? Vincent Price? Boris Karloff? Maybe Peter Laurie? No! Something even scarier. A drunk Paul Lind. (laughs) That's right, folks. We'll be discussing the Paul Lind Halloween special this week on This Was a Thing. This was a thing, this was a thing, this was a thing. Do you remember Patty versus kidnapping? This was a thing, pretty much Atari, Deep Throat Roots and Ted Bundy, Hanoi Jane, Celebrity Bowling. That was a thing. Bobby Fisher, Blackouts, Betty Ellen, Paul, Lynn, Dolly and Marie, Rich Little and Billie Jean King. This was a Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. On today's episode, we're looking at the Paul Lind Halloween special. Boo. This was a thing because Paul Lind was one of the hottest stars on television, but he couldn't hold on to a show to save his life. But what about comedy specials? Well... Those were right up Paul's alley. There's a lot of things up my alley, including Jim Neighbors. Oh, now, the Paul Lynn Halloween special was a television special that aired on October 29th, 1976 on ABC. Now, it, it was a surprise Halloween special that was hosted by double surprise Paul Lind. All right. I know. Already going for a big treat. Truth in advertising. <laughs> Paul Lind was a television and stage personality whose career ranged from the 50s to the early 80s, technically 70s. He's most known for being the center square on Hollywood squares. Uh, who's generally better looking, a fairy or a pixie? <laughs> 
Looks aren't everything. <laughs> Anything bring tears to a monkey's eyes? Learning that Tarzan swings both ways. It's a little Paul. We gotta love Paul. He's also known for playing Uncle Arthur on Bewitched and Harry McAfee in Bye Bye Birdie, singing the pop hit Kids. Kids, I don't know what's wrong with these kids today. Kids, who can understand anything they say? Kids, they are disobedient, disrespectful oafs. Noisy, crazy, sloppy, lazy, loafers. While we're on the subject, kids, you can talk to talk. Now, the thing about kids is that it was uh, Paul's Piano Man. When you go to a Billy Joel concert, you expect to always hear the Piano Man. Well, besides the Hollywood Square show, pretty much anything Paul did on TV, the kids' theme would be there. Now, the thing about Paul is sexuality was the biggest open secret in Hollywood. In a time that being openly gay was a no-no, it seemed like everyone knew Paul was a yes-yes, and they accepted it. Now, it didn't stop him from being cast as the head of a family, though. Paul played many fathers in his time. In fact, I'm quite sure that many in Hollywood called him daddy. Paul Lind is a person that Rob and I hold very dear to our hearts. Uh, he was the caddy, flamboyant, go-to actor from the 50s and 70s. This, this television special is towards the tail end of his career, and it is a do hey. Now, I think this special was uh, at the top of both me and Rob's list of things to cover. Of course, we wrestled it out, and I won. Uh, Rob ended up getting mauled. Uh, cameos from Margaret Hamilton, who reprises her role as the Wicked Witch of the West, to the band Kiss. Yes, the band Kiss, making their triumphant network television debut. Now, I originally found this while searching for Paul Lind clips on YouTube. Yes, I... Do search for Paul Lynn clips on YouTube. As we know, YouTube is a treasure trove of old clips of campy, outlandish celebrities, and Paul Lynn is probably my favorite campy, outlandish celebrity. Paul Lynn was under contract at ABC and already had two failed sitcoms. Uh, the first one was the Paul Lynn Show, uh, catchy name. He played a general practice attorney, and well, it lasted 26 episodes. It had great viewer numbers for the first episode and then took a sharp downfall, the ratings ladder, the following leap. Bruce Valanche said it was like an atom bomb almost in the second week. Uh, Jerry Stiller and Ann Mira plays Paul's daughter-in-laws. I'm sure there had to be at least a couple good moments. I tried to find some, and the footage is just so bad I couldn't even watch it. Wait, Jerry Stiller and Paul Lynn are in-laws? Yeah. I would pay anything to see that. Right? I know. Now I just wish Paul Lynn was Estelle Costanza. <laughs> Georgie, you know, Lloyd Braun. <laughs> He's the best. <laughs> Frank, get in here. So after the Paul Lynn show was canceled, he was brought into the second season of the hospital sitcom called Temperatures Rising. And nothing says sitcom like hospital sitcom. Sure, it worked for Scrubs, but... Now, the producers wanted to retool the show, and they cast Paul as the head of the hospital. Oh, boy, he's making... Major medical decisions, that Paul Lind. Cut him out, Ben. At the time, bringing him into the Temperatures Rising show was a, a move that was done totally for ratings, and surprise, it didn't work. Now, uh, legendary TV producer William Asher was very much against the idea, but damn it, the studio wanted Lind. 
At the time, he was scoring second only to Peter Falk in TV popularity polls, even though a sitcom which aired opposite The Sonny and Cher Show on CBS was doing terribly in the ratings. So his sitcom was failing, yet he was still number two to Peter Falk. Did you know that Paul Lynn was the first choice for Columbo? Yeah, but they wanted me to wear a tan coat. And I was like, I'm not wearing tan. <laughs> Temperatures rising. Ended up getting retooled a second time mid-season, which is always a good time to retool. And finally, they canceled it after season two. I'm sorry, Lynn. But to fulfill the contract of Paul Lind and help fill his desires to be a leading man, he was given a line of randomly scheduled comedy specials called the Paul Lind Comedy Hour. At what point do they realize that as brilliant as he is, you can only take him in short doses? Shortly after this. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, ABC president and uh, friend of the show, Fred Silverman. Fred Silverman's been dead for 20 years, but he's a friend of our show. Yes. Well, here's the thing. I think this is about episode number six that he's been in. Uh, he's been talked about during this show. So he's had a lot to do with television. Um, he said at the time that there was something witchy about Lind. So he decided to make him the leading man in a Halloween special about witches. Do you have a feeling that there was another term used by Fred Silverman and they were like, you have to say witchy, Fred. Variety's here, Fred. HR's here, Fred. <laughs> like they had HR back then. Yeah. <laughs> Who's HR? The broad with the tits? <laughs> no, Fred, you can't say that. This Halloween special ended up being a variety show. Uh, now, F Rob, could you explain to our audience uh, who doesn't know, just in case, uh, what a variety show is? Yeah, a variety show is something very similar to like the Dean Martin variety show or uh, the Carol Burnett variety show, which is where it would be one person and they would host it and there'd be sketches and songs and uh, it was just a fun, fun little bit of entertainment. Um, it was, we don't have them so much anymore. Thank you, Rob. Now, could you please explain to the audience uh, what a witch is? A witch is someone who's real nasty on a broom. Well, let me tell you, ABC wanted witches, and they got their witches. That's right. The show starred, like I said, Margaret Hamilton reprising her role as the Wicked Witch of the West, as well as Paul's housekeeper, which... I mean, in the show. But she wasn't real yeah, life to uh, earn yeah. some extra money. Yeah. Uh, now, Hamilton had already reprised her role of the Wicked Witch that same year on Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh, that's, she was so sweet. Remember, she told she showed up without her makeup yep. and she put it on. She told kids, like, don't be scared of me. It's just me with makeup. But then also, uh, cameras were off. She robbed those children. Also, in 1993, she, she had the role of Mrs. Edels on Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, which was a Croft Brothers production. Now... It's also a stag film I got arrested for. <laughs> I was the sea monster. Sigmund was Burt Convy. But now, one witch wasn't enough, and they needed more witches. So they brought in Billy Hayes to play a role of Witchy Poo from the Croft Brothers show, H.R. Puffin Stuff. Now, the show wasn't produced by the Croft Brothers, although many people from Croft Brothers Productions appear in the show, so that's why I keep bringing up the Croft Brothers. So, this show is a veritable who's who of stars at the time. Now, besides Margaret Hamilton and old Witchy Poo, we have Billy Barty, a mainstay in Croft Productions. Who was Billy Barty for our listeners who might not know? Billy Barty. He was uh, a, a little person actor that would show up from time to time in television specials, uh, in Croft Brothers specials, in fact. Tell everyone what you were so excited to show me Billy Barty doing. Billy Barty does a wonderful Liberace impression. <laughs> And he did it on the Spike Jones show in the 50s. So if anyone, go ahead and look up Billy Barty doing Liberace. It is actually 
I think, a wonderfully choreographed, and it is a brilliant uh, piece of comedy. Also starring Florence Mama Brady Henderson, Croft Brothers produced the Brady Bunch Variety Hour. Oh yeah, Tim Conway, who at the time was also appearing in the Carol Burnett Show. Betty White, of course, who is Betty White. Uh, the band Kiss, yes, including Gene Simmons, Roz Pinky Tuscadero Kelly from Happy Days, and of course, Donnie and Marie playing the roles of kid tormentors in a sketch. Now this Halloween variety special was full of wonder please if i may i just may say that like variety specials were usually holiday themed like christmas and christmas <laughs> and sometimes they did christmas there might have been a fourth of july you're a liar during the bicentennial and that was it. that's what i mean yeah, yeah. i was bicentennial once me and julia prouse now our uh wonderful the wonderful bruce valanche was a writer on the special and he later said that paul lind couldn't carry a show on his own so they hired a large ensemble around him this is true it is true and i love paul lind and i love a on- large ensemble in what seems to be a perfect reality of the man paul lind didn't know who most of the people in the special were the ad campaign featured paul lind dressed up as that witch giving his snarky paul lind look at the camera as if he was hypnotizing us to watch the special if i was alive in 1976 it would have worked for me now there isn't a ton of behind the scenes gossip on this special <gasps> i got gossip Ooh. so you know paul was a massive massive oh, yeah. drinker and uh i don't know if you know this but this is how they used to film the old game shows in the 70s which is they would only film on one day and so what happened is is they would do a monday tuesday episode back to back take a lunch break the lunch break was very long and was usually at a bar <laughs> across the street. Makes sense. Where everybody got wasted. And then Wednesday and Thursday and Friday shows were all taped and everybody was blitzed out of their mind. So when you watch game shows during the week and you're like, why do they seem looser Thursday and Friday? It's because the alcohol is finally kicking in. And so on Hollywood Squares, Paul apparently was the biggest drinker. Now, I've heard this story from a number of people who worked on Hollywood Squares, so apparently I'm, I'm taking it as truth. But apparently Paul, when he got drunk, was very mean and very brutal and incredibly anti-Semitic and consistently blamed my people for the reason that he wasn't successful in show business. And people on Hollywood Squares that were new content, like new uh, people in the squares were always told, whatever you do, don't sit by Paul at lunch. It's not worth the time. Oh, Paul. I sat next to Herschel Bernardi. Didn't go over very well. Here's how this bad boy opens up. A Halloween special. Deck the halls with La, 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 la. What's the matter, Margaret? Jack Frost nipping at your nose. <laughs> Mr. Lind, I've been your housekeeper for 15 years. So will you trust me when I tell you something? Of course, Margaret. It's not Christmas. <laughs> Why don't you go dust? <laughs> There's not really anyone that can do a pantomime to a camera quite like that man. Uh, just a, a look that, I mean, oh, God, I love this man. So, of course, Paul, it opens with him singing a uh, Christmas song dressed as a beardless Santa because, obviously, you know, it would get in the way of the uh, the 
the glasses he was using. Um, in East, then he would go. It goes into an Easter song dressed as a bunny who's just learning how to walk. It looks like because the bunny feet are so big. And then a Valentine song where he's singing to a heart-shaped box, presumably filled with a bottle of liquor and the phone numbers of all the backup dancers of the special because he really is giving it all of his heart. Then each song, of course, gets interrupted by his maid Margaret Hamilton, and she says, "Mr. Lind, it's not Christmas. Mr. Lind, it's not Easter." Mr. Lind, it's not Valentine's Day. Paul Lind was so drunk, he couldn't get his goddamn holidays right. He di- And he just didn't care. As long as it's not Hanukkah, then we're fine, Margaret. Of course, you know, that's just a great opening sketch, and it goes into showing all the stars of the time, and then it goes into what else than a wonderful monologue by Mr. Paul Lind himself. Pumpkin pie-colored blazer, brown sweater, Rosy cheeks from all that gin. Starts off, hi, I'm Paul Lind. Well, somebody had to be. It's been a year since my uh, last special. Was it something I said? As you know, there's a... As you know, there's a real scary holiday coming up. Election Day. (laughs) So to get you warmed up for it, we're going to do a Halloween show. Halloween's my favorite holiday. What other night can a cute little kid go out and carve up a pumpkin and my sports car at the same time? (laughs) Like I was saying, Paul Lind, the song Kids follows him everywhere he goes, except for this one is probably the creepiest kids arrangement I've ever heard. Like I said, contractually, Paul had to give some rendition of kids, it seems like, in every show. I feel like that was written into every contract. It was a guaranteed easy song that he knew, and he could always fall back on if all else failed. So if everyone else screwed up, he'd always be like, well, kids went well, what do you think? And of course, he just said, I'm just crazy about kids today. Now, Rob, I want you to see probably one of the most terrifying moments in television history. This is the backup singers coming in. Can you describe what they're dressed as? Because I'm terrified. I mean, it all starts from red bodysuits, but then, I mean, they have like a raggedy and It's all just red. There's a devil. There's one that has like a, sh- like it's supposed to be a ghost head. It's just awful. Like one guy's a boxer with a red bob wig with Groucho glasses on. These are my friends I picked up from the anvil. Trust me, I ID'd them. They're not kids. <laughs> it's just the creepiest. Like, the sheet, it has cutouts and the eyes and mouth. It looks like something that would be in Saw. And this was on an ABC, like, Halloween special. Like, what the fuck? I would not have wanted to go trick-or-treating. Can you imagine dropping acid and then watching this? Oh, my God. But, I mean, any Paul Lynn special, I could imagine dropping acid. But uh, Now, of course, Paul and Margaret are driving to Margaret's sister's house, and they arrive. The sign says, Gloomsbury Manor, which I'm sure in 1976 is about as scary as you can get on television. And they're greeted at the door by a barking vulture, which is also about as scary as you could get on television in 1976. They get into the house, and it's a 
freaking huge. The house is giant for a for a TV special. I feel like this had to have been left over. Oh, it has to be from something. Yeah, something else. I mean, look at the size of this thing. Or they're going to reuse it for something. Yeah, exactly. Like, this was not built for the Paul Lind Halloween special. I mean, and it's ornate, beautifully dressed. It's gothic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I feel. I think this must have been Paul's genuine reaction walking in like, oh, my God, they let me have this set. Now, of course, Paul is informed that his housekeeper, Margaret, is in fact the Wicked Witch of the West. Oh, my God, that's so fucking scary. They tell him how witches got a bad name, blah, blah, blah. But side note, I was thinking... Uh, yes, it was in, you know, Ro- Mr. Rogers, but primetime television, Margaret Hamilton reprising a role as the Wicked Witch must have been huge back then. Like, imagine seeing the Wicked Witch on TV next to your favorite studly television star, Paul Lind. Uh, now, everyone's favorite, Betty White. I love Betty White. She's great. And I think everyone knew how beautiful and wonderful she was back then. And she's brought in, and she was actually Miss Halloween 1976. I don't think an actual title she held in real life. I think it was just for, just for the show. Just for the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And upon seeing Paul, and she says, you're Paul? I was expecting a date with Paul Newman. <laughs> And then she uses then she names every other Paul, you know. Why settle on Paul Lynn? If you couldn't get Paul Newman, why didn't you get some other famous Paul? Paul Williams or but Paul McCartney, Les Paul, Paul Moore, St. Paul. Why Paul Lynn? He was available. I'm afraid he just won't do. I won't do what? The witches give Paul three wishes, because why not? It's a television special, and they have to keep this bad boy moving along, and that's a great way to introduce a sketch. That's right. It's time for a sketch, folks. What is Paul's first wish? Hmm. I'll let you ponder. Burt Reynolds be a bottom. Have you seen this? Poland wants to be a trucker. Yes, that's right. A trucker. Now, in true Poland form... He is a certain type of trucker. You got it! I'm Paul the Rhinestone Trucker, because that is my name. These rhinestones are my trademark, and trucking is my game. (laughs) All righty, Robbie. Do you want to go ahead and uh, talk about what the leading man is wearing for the rhinestone trucker? Paul is wearing something that Liberace would say. Too much. <laughs> it's a uh, white jumpsuit, which is rhinestoned on the back. I think it might be leather. I think oh, I'm sorry. Le- it's leather. No, it is leather. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, regardless if it's a jumpsuit or not, it's le- that is, he is a leather daddy. It is. He is a leather daddy. He has got chest hair flowing out of every orifice. And it says Big Paul in rhinestones on the back. Big red. Oh, sorry. Big red. Because and he's got a, a red wig on. And this is like, I'm talking like candy apple red. Like, he is. Yeah, this isn't some like... Auburn shit. This is no, yeah. This is this, yeah. This is not a natural looking uh, red, if you will. Now, of course, the rhinestone trucker. Uh, he's planning on to marry Kinky Pinky. She's the waitress at a diner, of course. But wait, she's engaged to two other men. Of course, they're both played by Tim Conway, showing his acting chops. Now, this is. The most 70s sketch I think I've ever seen. It's too long. The jokes are too on the nose. Overacting, looking for any opportunity to mention Billy Barty's size. Of course, all the ideas they had, they were like, this is the one that we're going to make eight minutes long. We're going to have this be the opener, rhinestone cowboy. And mind you, yes, I I love seeing Paul in a rhinestone rhinestone trucker outfit. But it, it's, it just 
goes on too long. Well, of course, Tim Conway gets to Kinky Pinky first, but right after the rhinestone trucker drives his truck through a wall. Yes, of course, Paul always has to have an entrance, so there goes the truck through a brick wall. Now, of course, Kinky Pinky wants to marry Rhinestone and Long Haul, one of Tim Conway's, you know, if you know who Tim, how Tim Conway acts. It's nothing like Dorf, but it's all the other Tim Conway characters. <laughs> In true 70s uh, sketch form, they have to arm wrestle for her because that is just, you know, uh, that's so great. Well, instead, they decide to destroy the diner. Now, like, literally, they're taking tables and throwing them and stuff. And I'm curious if de- they just decided midway through to not do the arm wrestling and then just... They they just felt, well, let's just destroy the set. Like, it seems like the most unrehearsed, like, unnecessary thing. Well, Paul, of course, says that he wants to, they want to make a film about his trucking life, and they want to call it Deep Truck, which in 1976 was about as risky of a joke you can do. Now, uh, audience may remember that a film called uh, Deep Throat came out uh, around that same time. So on ABC, they were making a Deep Throat parody joke in primetime television, which I think is pretty, pretty ballsy, if you will. Now, I know sketches are a little hard to end sometimes. Sometimes it's like it goes on really well and you don't know how to end it. But, you know, I found one of the best ways to end a sketch is just... Go into a song and dance number. Here is the truck hoedown, folks. Start your motor, step on the gas. Put out your arm when you're ready to pass. Girls to the left, around the boss, put in your clutch and make some noise. Pick out a cargo that you like and haul your honey up the pipe. Now that is fun, am I right? They look great, they dance and there's trucks, I'm happy. I feel like the writer's room had to have been like, okay, what are professions that we could never see Paul doing? The showrunner was also a cocaine runner. <laughs> what was this writer's room like? Were they like, how, how, it's almost like they had a lot of ideas. It was like a Mad Libs. Yeah. Put names in this hat. Exactly. We'll just pull them and match them together. Yeah, and Paul will be able to pull it off, it's fine. Hey friends, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, could you do us a favor? After you listen to today's episode, open up your podcast app and leave us a review, please. The more reviews we get, the more people will discover us, and the more people that discover us, the less lost we'll feel. You're good, buddy. It's okay. Uh, look, nothing has ever been easier to do. Just go ahead and grab a pen real quick. It's okay. We'll wait. Don't worry. Okay, head on over to your podcast app, click those three dots in the lower right-hand corner, click Go to Show, scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if you really love us, head on over to Patreon.com and send us some money, and in return, you will get access to merch, special episodes, bonus content, pictures of me shirtless. Okay, okay, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Search This Was a Thing and help us out. But you know what? You've already helped us out today by listening to us, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. Of course, the sketch is done after the hoedown. We get back to the to Gloomsbury Manor, and the witches say they want to have a little light dinner music. Enter Q. 
Kiss. Yeah, because Margaret Hamilton, I'm sure, is a huge Kiss fan. I would love if she was a fucking huge Kiss fan. a huge Kiss fan. I do appreciate some of their songs, but I fucking love this song. This is like one of, I think, top 20 songs. I love this song. So when I realized that Kiss was singing Detroit Rock City, I was a very happy boy because I was like, oh, Paul Lind, hi. And then it's like, ooh, Detroit Rock City. And so I'm like, Paul Lind and Detroit Rock City. And I'm like, am I supposed to be this horny? So after Kiss is done, Paul makes his second wish. Now, this one is a little bit more sexy. It's to be in the Sahara Desert and to be a sheik and a great lover. And in my notes, I wrote, this should be good. Paul is dressed as uh, Rudolph Valentino in... The Sheik. Silent film star Rudolph Valentino. Exactly. Now, Florence Henderson is playing a woman that Paul lusts for. Paul plays the Sheik. Florence plays the... Hit it, Rob. Freak. Oh, shit. Now, she at one point uh, asks, why are you wearing that earring? And Paul responds with my favorite line of the whole special. Because I'm a very chic chic. That's why they call me Florence of Arabia. I'm a chic, chic. That is my motherfucking kind of humor there, Rob Schneider. I was instant. Now, this was 31 minutes in, and it finally got me hooked. But (laughs) There's literally two minutes left. Yeah, I was hooked after this. You will never bend me to your will. Never? I, who have driven hundreds of concubines mad with desire, I, who single-handedly attack Laverne and Shirley on camera, I shall make you mine with one burning kiss. Open the ruby portals of your lips to the white-hot passion of my desire. I'm turning myself on. It's just an odd sketch. It's just so weird. And like the rhinestone trucker, how did this get into this? Like, I think they had like one week to write this show. Maybe. And it was all from bad material from previous specials. One week? It looks like they're doing it as they go along. Yeah, I feel like these are all old scripts that didn't make it onto Temperatures Rising. Uh, Now, of course, we get back to the manor. You know, that's the through line of the variety show. And it's his third wish. Now, Paul being the kind-hearted man that he was, you know, we've talked about how just kind of a man he was, you know, thinking about others first. He decided to use his wish to do something for the witches, you know, his... His kin. And what do the witches want? Well, they always wanted to go to a Hollywood disco. No, not a disco in Costa Mesa. Not a disco in Idaho. Nope, a Hollywood disco, folks. Well, would you look at that? Boom! Gloomsbury Manor has turned into a poppin' disco. Oh my god, the magic of television. Or is it the magic of the witches? We'll never know. We'll just enjoy the show. The witches ask Paul to MC, because of course, it's Paul Lind, and he's a perfect MC. He introduces Florence Henderson, and she's about to sing her solo. Oh, let's give it a little chance. Why not? We love hearing Florence sing. She is a goddess.
<laughs> Would you like to explain that there are now massive, massive neon bats on the set? Oh, I would love to. So it's just an orange... It just seems like a strand of orange light that they found that they somehow shaped into a bat. It actually looks pretty decent. It's huge. There's a couple of them in there. But also there's a part that the disco is now popping and populated with all these wonderful backup dancers just wearing the most absurd outfits. One of them I've noticed, their wig on the back of their head has a face on the wig. And I literally, once I saw it, I could not fucking stop looking at that. You know when there's a fire alarm and the lights oh start my God, strobing totally, in your apartment? Yeah. That's the lights. Now, it wouldn't be a Halloween special without another Kiss song. Oh, yeah. Now, they played a ballad called Beth, and I had no idea the song was a thing. Uh, but apparently, it was Kiss's biggest hit, charts-wise, and it also features Peter Chris, Mr. Catman himself. He was the band's drummer singing vocals, and I was not ready for it. But luckily, after the song, they decided it would be good TV for Paul to go meet the band Kiss. Just the pure sexual energy of Paul with Kiss is its just amazing. It's hot. This is Ace, this is Gene, this is Peter, and this is Paul. Oh, I love a good religious group. <laughs> I can take one look at you four and I can tell you how you got your name and how you got your act. You had a fight and your mother's told you to kiss and make up. <laughs> and your makeup is something else. How long does it take you to put it on? We don't wear makeup. Something that was actually kind of funny about this is that Gene Simmons said that there was no dress rehearsal before the show. Oh. So Paul Lynn didn't know what Kiss was going to look like. <laughs> and then Gene Simmons also said that apparently he was freaking out being around Margaret Hamilton. Was she nice to him? I mean, she seemed like a pleasant person, but it's just funny that Gene Simmons' starstruck moment early in his career was Margaret Hamilton from The Wizard of Oz, which makes sense. But Gene Simmons is human, folks. That's what I got from this. Kiss does another song after that, and as soon as they finish that, it goes into a funky disco beat which i'm sure gene simmons was thrilled by literally kiss ends right into a disco beat now rob remember how earlier you said how you'd love for this special to end with a disco number featuring pinky Duscadero and paul absolutely well okay that, i was so excited you said that earlier because i was like oh my god i can't wait to show them how this show ends with a disco number with pinky Duscadero and paul Shake it down, move it in, move it round, disco baby. Move it in, move it out, move it in and about, disco baby. Paul didn't know the choreography. Watch Paul. Paul is literally, I mean, Paul's bit is that he's supposed to be watching Pinky Duscadero to pick up on it. But, but it's he's not, really watching. Yeah, it's not Pink. a bit. It's just like, that's Paul being a smart, a smart entertainer going like, well, if I make a bit out of it, then I can at least make it kind of look. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I'm telling you, Disco Baby since I heard it has been stuck in my head like at random I have the same problem I have the same problem when I hear it and of course what would any variety special be without a fake heartfelt goodbye you have just been the greatest thank you for making me feel wanted 
And thank you for inviting us into your homes tonight with our Halloween special. I hope we were a howling success. I'd like to thank my guest stars, Tim Conway, Roz Pinky Tuscadero Kelly, Florence Henderson, The Incredible Kiss, Billy Barty, Betty White, and a special thank you to our beautiful witches, Margaret Hamilton and Billy Hayes. I believe in you. I believe in you. And of course, the two kids I love so much, Donnie Marie Osmond. In case I don't see you for a while, to all you little monsters out there, you have a happy Halloween. Now, excuse me, I'm going back to my group to trip the heavy fantastic. He looks so freaking relieved in this thing but it's like the most fake heartfelt goodbye i've ever seen in my life thank god it's over so yes the paul and halloween special was over but after the paul and halloween special paul had a few more variety shows because of his contract including twas the night before christmas which i'm sure we will cover at some point i've never seen it oh i'm sure it's got to be fantastic and paul was a regular on the donnie and marie show until 1978 when he lost his guest starring role due to a very public drunken argument with police officers he really didn't do much after that paul was known for his struggles with alcohol like we were saying and he had a very violent temper and he had a lot of arrests for public intoxication and he would actually ridicule his friends uh, when he was three sheets under the wind in july 1965 this is a kind of a sad story uh, paul was involved in an incident in which a friend another young actor accidentally fell to his death from the window of the hotel room in san francisco's saint francis drake hotel paul and 24 year old james bing davidson had been drinking for hours when davidson while horsing around quote unquote according to the associated press report uh slipped and fell eight stories jesus so he saw his friend die yeah another sad story with paul in october 1977 paul was involved in an incident in his alma mater northwestern university he's probably a very good academic man if he went to northwestern uh he was the grand marshal for the homecoming parade that year at a fast food restaurant near the campus after the homecoming parade he'd made racist remarks and gestures to an african-american uh, northwestern university professor named james p pitt uh, paul later blamed his uh, behavior on fatigue and inebriation this is all after the special yes this is all after the special now in january 1978 about a little over a year after the special uh while in salt lake city uh to record a segment for the donnie and marie show paul was arrested outside of a tavern and charged with interfering with a police officer now his vehicle had been broken into and his valuables stolen while he was inside the tavern, and the arresting officer had been investigating a different car burglary and claimed that Paul kept insisting that he attend to Paul's complaint instead. I could see that being a real fun for a police officer, Paul Lind, getting involved with uh, telling him how to do his job. You don't understand what was stolen. It was my little black book with all the names and phone numbers of my tricks. But a positive note, Paul wanted to change things. So he did become sober and drug-free in early 1980. So that was a, you know, positive thing. Sadly, on January 10th, 1982, after Paul failed to attend a birthday celebration, Paul Bressy and another friend, Dean Dittman, uh, couldn't get an answer 
from Paul Lind after calling him and calling him. And so they knocked on his door, no answer. So Baresi broke into the side entrance of Paul's home in Beverly Hills and they found Paul dead in his bed. Oh, no. He was 55. He was only 55. Young. I know. He was only 55. Of course, stories started to circulate, suggesting that Paul had a visitor at the time of his death who had fled the scene. But there was evidence that indicated the stories were all false. The coroner ruled the death a heart attack. Bruce Valanche, uh, who wrote for the Halloween special, said something about Paul that I thought was very true. Paul was best taken as a flavor in a recipe and not as a leading man. He's not the main dish. Exactly. Here's a clip of Bruce Valanche telling a very interesting behind-the-scenes story from when they were filming the Halloween special. We were shooting the thing on the ABC Prospect lot in, in Los Feliz. And Roots was on uh, while we were uh, while we were shooting. It, it had been on, and we were shooting the thing, and, and it had been on. I think for the sweeps or something. I forget what the timing was. But Lavar Burton had starred as Quinta Quinte in Roots, and you know, it exploded. I mean, he was the biggest thing, and um, he was on the lot doing something. And we were outside having a cigarette break because people still smoked in those days, and. Paul and I were out there, we're puffing away, and um, LeVar Burton comes by, and Paul didn't know his name, but had recognized him from the show and wanted him to know that you know, he knew who he was, and he stood, as, as he walked by, Paul just pointed at him and went, Rats! <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention Paul was in his full witch drag. So yeah, Poland is definitely best taken as a flavor in a recipe, but damn it, it's my favorite flavor in my absolute favorite recipe, and now I'm hungry. So when we get back from break, Rob and I will discuss our favorite recipes and where Poland fits into that mix. Yum. This was a thing, this was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. We got Lynn under contract for another 13 years. What the hell are we going to do with him? He's a cash cow, but he can't hold the show to save his goddamn life. But he's just so funny. What happened when we brought him on to temperatures rising? The ratings kept falling. Uh, hear me out. What is one thing you always associate Paul Lynn with? Sheep grain alcohol. No. Philandering young men. Close. He's inherently witchy. There's just something witchy about Paul Lind. By God, you're on to something. Get witchy poo on the line. And Margaret Hamilton. Who? Wicked witch. Scary. By God, this is it. Lind's launching pad. We finally figured it out. We should try and get Donnie and Marie, too. Fred Silverman, congratulations. You just saved television. Thank you. This was a sketch. I'd say the biggest mark that this left on pop culture was the first network appearance of Kiss. Like, that's what the world took out of it. That's not what I took out of it, but that's what the world took out of it in the pop culture lexicon, which at the time had to have been pretty insane to the common viewer to see (laughs) Kiss on TV at a time when... Men wearing makeup and platform boots was normal. Even Kiss had to have been too much. Remember, they just saw, like, Tony Orlando in Dawn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, 
the hell is that shit? The show had actually been bootlegged over the years in Kiss fan circles, which I thought was just so funny to think in Kiss fan circles. Like, you got the Paul Lind Halloween special, bro? You know that those guys had to sit through Pinky Tuscadero (laughs) and Paul Lind is the chic to get to Kiss? (laughs) Can we, like, skip ahead or something? No. Actually, his commentary on the silent film era (laughs) and its images of romanticism are quite fascinating to me. What'd you say? I said, can I have some more acid? In 2006, some of the show's footage was released on Kiss's Kissology, the ultimate Kiss collection, volume one, 1974 to 1975. That's the full title. I, If I didn't legally say the full title, we could get sued by Gene Simmons, I think is the rule. The DVD showed a clip of Paul Lind meeting Kiss in the band's performance of King of the Nighttime World, which is... I didn't play that one because that one's not as fun for me. There seems to be variety shows being released today more and more, especially with streaming services because I think that they can get away with more and not be afraid of what ratings would be on stuff. Uh, uh, The bigger the streaming wars get, I feel like the more thematic a variety show will get. Bill Murray had a Christmas special a couple years ago, which was essentially a variety show with Bill Murray just saying a couple words and then a bunch of other things. So I wouldn't be surprised with a Halloween one being coming up soon and didn't martin short and maya rudolph try to do one yeah but i think that one was on nbc but it didn't really they don't really play on network very well but like on netflix i feel like if you could when you turn it on around you know any around a christmas time a christmas time or halloween like i think those would be very popular i think the closest you could get to reproducing something like this would be to cast billy eichner as the lead and have the three witches from Hocus Pocus come in and write a show about that. I think that would be very watchable. And actually, Billy Eichner is apparently set to play Paul Lind in an upcoming biopic. I love that. I feel like Paul Lind translates very well today. The alien character of Roger on uh, American Dad, who's voiced by Seth MacFarlane, he uses Paul Lind's voice, and the character is very popular. And I guarantee you, most people who know Roger, if they were to see Paul Lind or have me do a Paul Lind voice, they'd be like, oh, Roger from American Dad. I mean, I also think it's important to remember that Paul Lynn being gay was like you said the the biggest secret that everybody knew and it's I think it's really cool that he was like the first gay person that people eagerly welcomed into their homes every week totally. on Hollywood squares I would say this is an essential Halloween watch for me maybe every other year I don't know if I do every year but every other year I think I could revisit this it's it really is a great time capsule into the 70s and it's nostalgic even though I didn't live in the 70s I still feel nostalgia from it it's just it just is so weird and it brings me uh, so much goddamn happiness and joy that god damn it happy Halloween everybody trick or treat You want to play a game? Oh, absolutely. This was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. So clearly the Paul Lind Halloween special was a clusterfuck of programming. It sounds like, to me, it sounds like a TV executive kind of high, just sort of pitching (laughs) the president, throwing names out there, throwing guests. He looks witchy. (laughs) And they're like, yes, sure, no. So... I want to play a game called Pitch Popcorn. So we're going to live in a world where the president of ABC rejects this first pitch for the Paul Lind Halloween special and then turns to you two, the pitch men in ABC, and says, what else you got? So here's how this is going to work. You know how the game Popcorn work where you would read something and say Popcorn Ray. Ray continues, says something, oh, yeah, Popcorn yeah. Rob. So you're going to pitch me as the ABC president a holiday special, Okay. Whoever wants to start can start, but they're going to name the holiday, and they're going to popcorn to the next person. 
and they're going to name who the host is and the popcorn and expert who the musical guest is. You're going to build this. Is, is it for the Paul Lynn special or we can use di- Paul Lynn's out of the different. picture? Paul Lynn's Got gone. It. Halloween Got is it. gone. Okay. Everybody that was in that special is gone. Okay. This can be timeless, can be of the time now. I feel like we should try to stay within the time to keep it. If you think you can do it. Okay. So, sorry, you know, Paul Lindy's nothing. Halloween. Who's even celebrating Halloween these days? It's a, what else you got? What else you got, kids? Uh, Ray, why don't you, why don't you tell uh, Mr. Silverman some of our other ideas? All right, so we're looking for a fall release. Okay, so I'm thinking of Thanksgiving thing. There's not a lot of Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. Love it. Okay, when you think Thanksgiving, there's one thing to be thankful for this year, and that's the fact that Bob Hope is coming in straight from Vietnam entertaining the troops. Now, he comes into the kitchen. He says, I'm going to put the turkey in the oven. And all of a sudden, he opens the door, and the turkey starts singing and dancing, and it's Ann Jillian. Now, Ann Jillian's singing a song written by Alan and Marilyn Bergman. Oh, my God. Composed by Billy Goldenberg. Well, Ann Margaret has to come on because she's on the same flight with Bob Hope, and it's one of those things where it's just going to be easier to pay for one car. So she's there, but then it's time for Bob to take the turkey out of the oven. He's going to carve it. What does he carve it with? His golf club, because he's known for his golf club. He says, hey, can I play a back nine? And they say, no, just get the legs. No, you know what? This is great. This is great. I'm scratching it. Thanksgiving's done. Give Give me another one. Reset. Give me another one. Give me another, give me another holiday. Well, it's a bicentennial year, and nothing says uh, happiness like uh, our flag day. Ooh, love it. Okay, big flag day special. Big flag day special. Now, it starts with Betsy Ross making the flag. And for this one, Rue McClanahan. Rue McClanahan plays Betsy Ross. And she's sitting there sewing the flag. With that sassy draw. And each and each of the stripes are played by the June Taylor dancers. Ooh. And we have the turtles coming back to sing Happy Together. That's gonna be great. Yes. Oh, no, wait, scratch it. Betsy Ross is played by Flip Wilson as Geraldine. Oh, that's gonna be great. Geraldine, and I could see I could see it now. The needle pricks her finger, and oh, she is not gonna be oh, happy she's, about that. She's fine. She goes to the doctor. And the doctor is Dr. Josiah Bartlett. (laughs) Maybe. I want to stop. You know what? I want to reset one more time. Take it, Ray. What holiday do we have next? Well, me being a Canadian, I'd like to say we should focus on Boxing Day. The day after Christmas that started as a way to give back, but really it's just a way to buy more and more and more because that's what we need here in America. Canada's most popular holiday right behind St. Jean-Baptiste Day. Look, there's just so many St. Jean-Baptiste Day specials nowadays. Right. I mean, it's just out the wazoo. Everyone's doing it. That's why we're doing Boxing Day. ABC and NBC had competing St. Jean-Baptiste Day telethons, both hosted by the only Canadian anyone knew, Anne Murray. Hear me out. So there's these new things around called shopping malls, and I think the best way we can do Boxing Day is a live, like a... Not a live stream. That'll be later. A live telecast. A live stream is something my urologist keeps hoping to happen. Ain't gonna happen. Well, just imagine. Who can we have outside of Payless Shoes? Who? Who? Oh. When you think shoes, you have to think the dancing feet of Dorothy L'Amour. <laughs> now, yes, she has diabetes. Yes, they've both been amputated. 
but she takes the shoes and she puts them on her hand, and it's it's very impressive. Goddamn sold. Get it made. Put it on the air. This Boxing Day, we will own Boxing Day. This is great, Fred. Let me just talk to Ray for a second. I realize Dorothy's been dead for five years. You got a shovel? We just need to shoot the feet. It's fine. (laughs) And there it is. Also, really quickly, before I leave, I have one Christmas special idea for you. Hit me with that. Well, I'll tell you who all the the writers are for our Christmas special. Sal Turtletaub, Hal Weinstein, Joe Silverstein, Frank Goldberg, and Sal Weinberger. So I guess you guys won't be meeting on Saturdays. No, we we play golf. <laughs> All right, so that's <laughs> those are our pitches. Honestly, I feel like some of those might have worked a little bit better. <laughs> I actually think some of those actually existed. Yeah. Some of them made more sense, I think, than what ended up on the screen. Please join us for a patriotic special when Geraldine <laughs> sows the first flag. On the DuPont Network. I like the stripes being dancers. I could see that being just a right? bad it's shit a crazy. Yeah. Like, they're laying on the ground, then they come up and do something. Right? And then they lay yes. back down and Just like stripes. a weird, like, fade edit. Yeah, yeah. And the stars are all like, I picture the stars, they're 50, like, TV actors that are going to come and read like parts yes. of the Constitution. Oh, they're ABC's 50 biggest ABC, stars. Yes, right. And now Mary Tyler Moore's Georgette Ingle. Everyone has the right to protect yourself <laughs> from Stupid. search and seizure. And Vinny Barbarino himself, John Travolta with the fourth eight. Don't quarter no soldiers. <laughs> what? Where the soldiers? Where? Who? And now to sing about voting rights, here is CBS's very own Alice Linda Lavin. <laughs> You can't have a well-regarded militia. <laughs> That's Linda Lavin. Lordy. Up next, Jimmy Coco with the 21st Amendment. <laughs> All right, so if you remember the Paul Lynn Halloween special, uh, or if you're still listening. You gotta watch it. Uh, and uh, wish you a happy Halloween. Uh, let us uh, take some pictures of your costumes and uh, send them to us. Be safe out there. <laughs> Look at you, Hill Street Blues. What? Make sure you check all the rappers because I saw a commish episode one time where they were going through because someone was poisoning the candy. So you just just look out. Happy Halloween! Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut Cut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing's Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was a Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was a Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors, and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was a Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 